Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The nations, verse 18, were angry, and your wrath has come. Notice uh, in Psalm 2, you know, we, we read in Psalm 2, you know, why do the heathens rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth, they set themselves together. The storms I am Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, The nations were angry. Welcome to our Bible study for today. The nations are angry because God comes to rule. The world wants anything but the reign of God. As it says in a parable of Jesus, We will not have this man to reign over us. Pastor, teacher, and hymn writer William Newell once said, Religion is decent. But surrender to God is intolerable to the nations of the world. Now let's join Pastor Rock as he concludes chapter 11 in the book of Revelation. Probably a a young teenager. He visits her, remember, on that fateful morning. And he speaks concerning Jesus. And he, and he said to her, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. There are others, too. You know, those are just a, a few. So his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And that's why... You know, when we look at the end of uh, the verse there in 15, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's the truth. He will reign forever and ever. Now, when we look at the next uh, four, uh, next three verses, we're going to see God's plan within the, the seventh trumpet in an abbreviated form. It says in verse 16, And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones, they fell on their faces. They worshiped God. They were so enamored by this this by who God is and the judgments that are coming, his sovereignty. They were so blown away by his purity, who he was. And now when this last seventh trumpet begins to sound, they fall on their faces. It's the first time that, uh, arguably, that we see them falling on their faces. This is a big deal. This is a monumental, pivotal section in the book of Revelation, in the end time scenario. And notice what they said. 
We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and is to come, because you have taken or you seized back your great power and reign. God never had, had to uh, seize his power back, but right now we know that the, uh, the God of this age, who is Satan, has dominion over the earth. And it's on loan. It's not going to be there forever. God is going to take back what belongs to him. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows forth his handiwork. It belongs to him. He's going to take it back and you're coming back with him. Aren't you glad? I'm so looking forward to that day. But notice what he says. All power. All power belongs to God. All power. In Romans 13, let's read it. Let every subject be, uh, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Notice that. This is, this is very pertinent for us today. This very day, this scripture ought to be blasted from every place that can hear it. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. For, and the authorities that exist are appointed or ordained by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Sounds like a good word we need to hear today in, in Portland, Oregon, in Minnesota, downtown Rochester. It's okay to be upset, but when we resort to violence as a result of that, we are in sin. doesn't matter the cause. You take away my cornflakes, I'm going to be upset. Now, I don't want to minimize the real issues, okay? Forgive me for that. I don't want to minimize that. But when we, are, when we do evil things, we have what's coming. Does that make sense? You reap what you sow. That's a, that's a universal law. Even as a Christian. Right now, if I go and rob a bank as a Christian, if I go down to M&T and I put on my, my... Actually, I have this on anyway, right? Okay, hand over all your $100 bills. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to get caught. Eventually. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil works. Do you want to be unafraid of that authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise of the same, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be very afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake, for because of this, you also pay taxes." You also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Yes, even, even the corrupt ones. You still have to pay taxes. Does that mean that all the authorities that God has in place, they're all perfect? No, we know that that's not true. But does that mean that we just throw out the whole thing? You know, God put the authority up over us to slow down the spread of sin and corruption, and there are, there are those who do need to be reprimanded who are in authority. They need to be held accountable for their actions. It doesn't work for, just the, you know, for everybody else, but not for those who are executing the law. No, they have to be held accountable too. And why not just defund the police and just totally disregard this whole scripture? Are you kidding me? Defund the police? Have people lost their minds? They've gone insane. Anyone who says that we need to defund the police, really, honestly, put them in a, a, gather them up and take them to the insane asylum, give them a large room, and put them in straight jackets and let them bounce around for a little while. They need Jesus. This verse validates what they do. 
It doesn't mean that they're perfect, and when they make a mistake, they need to be held accountable. That's the way it needs to be. You don't just defund the police all of a sudden because you've got a few bad apples. Hey, listen, there's bad apples even in the church. Any entity has bad apples. We cannot use that excuse. We need to grow up, and we need to listen, and stop watching all the junk. That's why, take your pruning shears, and go outside. Look at that coaxial cable and go, snip. Don't worry, it doesn't have any power in it. You're not going to die. I wouldn't recommend doing that to your voltage line, power coming to your house, but the cable line, just go for it. Today, go home and cut it. Just cut it. No, let's just defund the police. What an idiotic thing to say. What an idiotic thing to do. It's insanity. If we are going to go against the ordinance of God, we will greatly reap what we sow. Don't let it happen, America. Don't let it happen, church. There are groups like Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and I'm not afraid to mention it anymore because it's truth. They're destroying this country. What my grandfather and my great-grandfather, what they, what they stood for and the things that this country is all about, they're destroying this country. Are you going to stand for it? I'm not saying stand up with guns. No, I'm not saying that. But you better get out and vote. Don't put up with this nonsense. These groups want lawlessness to force their socialist, communist agendas on this country. They hate us, and they have no reason to be here any longer. Support your mayors and your governors and getting them out. Pray for them. They need, they need Jesus just as much as we do. Okay, But if they're doing evil, they need to be run out of town. Based on Romans 13, read it for yourself. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things, but that I'm right about, because the Bible says it. It says in 2 Thessalonians that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Have you, have you seen that? Have you seen those pictures of the, the flaming buildings and the guy from CNN getting up there and saying, it's, it's, it's a peaceful organization. Are you kidding me? There's pieces of debris floating up from the air and the smoke and the tires and the cars and, you know, the... Macy's and all these other places are torched. and br- it's, it's peaceful. It really is. Really? Have you lost your mind? Yes. They have lost their minds. The law is good. My whole family's in law enforcement. You heard me talk about it much. I love them. I love what they do. I pray for my brother and the guys that he serves and those that serve under him. I think we should refund the police. Not defund them, refund them, stack them up, get them everything they need, make sure they have the very best, more so than the criminals. Make sure that their salaries are so good that they can support their families. That, I won't have a problem my taxes being raised. Raise my taxes if that's what it's going to go for, because we need that. What does it say in 1 Timothy 1, verse 8? But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate. That's why we have rules on the books. That's why they're there. Do we just throw them out? Oh, it, you know, who cares? Just let them do it. Really? How is it that somebody can stand with a and throw a brick into the middle of a store and not be held accountable? How is it that a mob like that can get away with not socially distancing, but we get together like this and all of a sudden the hammer comes down? A little injustice there, don't you think? But what do we do? Do we get mad? 
Do we get angry? Do we start raising and pulling out our guns and shooting things? No, we don't. We get into our prayer closet, and we show our vote in the voting. That's what we do, but we pray first. Do you believe that God can change things by prayer? Do you? I'm asking myself the same question. I'm not just leveling anybody. But notice that the law is for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy, the profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. That's why we have law. So do we defund the police? No, refund the police. Get them back at their jobs. Make the. <laughs> Does anybody agree with me on this? Or am I just, have I lost my mind? Folks, this, we live in a critical time in history. Our country's on the verge. What are you going to do about it? Again, we know where our kingdom lies. We know that we're going to go up. And some of you aren't going to like this. But you know what? We are on the verge. We're on the verge of it of our country changing completely. And why should we care? We're going to go to heaven. God gave to Adam that commandment. You read it. Subdue the earth and have dominion over it. That requires stewardship. That's what stewardship is. Take care of it, Adam. That means that we are not to be silent. We don't have to, we're not violent people. But we don't have to be silent. Are you going to remain silent? And be more vocal about the gospel than anything else. That's the most important thing of all. But we also have to look at what's happening. The nations, verse 18, were angry, and your wrath has come. Notice uh, in Psalm 2, you know, we, we, we read in Psalm 2, you know, why do the heathens rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth, they set themselves together. They take counsel together against the Lord, against Jehovah, and against his anointed, guess what, who is Jesus Christ, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces, cast away their cords from us. It almost sounds like I've used this analogy before, but it's sort of like an infant with an umbilical cord attached to its mother. It gets everything it needs from the mother. Can you imagine how preposterous it would be for an infant to come out of the womb and say, I'm done with this, I don't need this. Or even in the womb. It's in there in the womb and it's like, what's this thing? I don't need this. It's the thing that gives him everything, gives him the oxygen that he needs. Because he's surrounded in amniotic fluid, right? He's breathing water. (laughs) All the nutrients, everything is given from that umbilical cord. And yet the world wants to take that scissor and cut the cord. Like in Psalm 2. Just cut this cord. Cut this cord. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. We want to be free to do what we want. We want to run down the street naked on fentanyl. Is that really what people want? And the time of the dead that they should be judged. And and again, as the seventh trumpet is sounded, within it is the germ, if you will, of everything, all the judgments that are coming yet in this time period that we're talking about. The time of the dead that they should be judged. We know that there's a great white throne judgment spoken of in Revelation chapter 20. Verses 11 through 15, where the dead in Christ, or I'm sorry, not the dead in Christ, but the dead, the wicked dead, are finally judged. 
And God, and you know, judgment is God's strange work. It's not something that He delights in. The God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't. And you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great. There is going to be a reward for 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 believers. We read about that in what we call the judgment seat of Christ, or the bema seat. The word judgment is bema in the Greek, and that's where we get the term bema seat, where we're rewarded for what we have done in our bodies since we've been Christians. That's what this judgment is for. It's not a judgment of salvation or not. And so we see those things. I would encourage you to read those. And also, at the end of verse 18, it says, and, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. God will ultimately destroy those who destroy the earth. We see that in Revelation 20, verses 7 through 10. He is going to judge. He's going to bring an end to those who destroy the earth. You can read it for yourself. And then notice verse 19, the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake and great hail. Remember in when Moses was building the tabernacle, he received instruction from the Lord about that tabernacle and it was given to him according to the pattern of the temple that is in glory. And Moses built the temple on earth, or the tabernacle, and it was a mirror, if you will, of what the heavenlies were. And so the ark is seen in heaven. In fact, in Hebrews 9, verse 23, it says, Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy of holy, the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, which are the ones in heaven, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And so those things were a pattern. And here we see God opening his temple in heaven, and we see the, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, just as a, and I'll, I'll end here, I just think it's very interesting, just as a side note, as we look at this, this verse about the Ark of the Covenant being seen in heaven. Right now, we don't know where the Ark of the Covenant is. You know what I'm talking about. It's the box that was overlaid with gold with the poles and the two golden cherubim looking down upon the mercy seat where the high priest would offer blood once a year on the Day of Atonement. And inside that box was three things, at least at one point there were. There were Aaron's rod that budded and a jar of manna and also the Ten Commandments, those two tables of stone written with the finger of God. Can you imagine finding that ark somewhere? I was digging in my yard last, late last night, or late last afternoon, yesterday afternoon. And I was digging and clearing out some stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm joking here, okay? Bear with me. And I'm digging, and I'm thinking, Lord, it'd be so cool to find the Ark of the Covenant. Wouldn't that be a surprise? You know, as I'm digging there, and I chink, chink, I got my shovel, and chink, what's that? And I clear away the dust. I blow it away, and I see, oh, my God. I can't believe it. I see these, these wings, and I start digging a little. I dig around this outside, and I, the, the staves are there. And I'm like, oh, how did this get to Penfield? <laughs> but we don't know where it is. It's not my backyard. be really cool, though, if it was. But I won't be worrying about that. But we notice that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't seen. The last time we seen it was in Solomon's Temple. It's the last time you can, you can look for it. It's either the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, or the Ark of the, of the Covenant. Or, um, there, there's different phrases for that. But the last time it was seen was in Solomon's temple. 
And so we don't know what happened. Solomon's temple was the one that was there when, uh, after Solomon, there were a number of Judah Judah kings, you know, in his uh, coming after him. But at some point, you know, during Zechariah's, when he was a king there, the Babylonians came and they destroyed it in 586 B.C. They destroyed everything. Maybe the Babylonians took it. Maybe the Babylonians took the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe they destroyed it. I don't think they did. Or maybe the Jews... Knowing that Nebuchadnezzar was coming, they go underneath the Temple Mount, which there's all kinds of caverns and pathways and all kinds of strange things down underneath the Temple Mount. Did they hide it? There's good reason to believe maybe they did. In fact, there's one place, that if you go to the Rabbi's Tunnel, and Kathy and Bonnie, remember we were there? That there's a place along the, um, the, the, the Rabbi's Tunnel there where there's a place that's sealed off, and there are some that believe that it was there, that the priests hid, hid that away before the Babylonians came and sealed that, that, that area. Could be. What about the Romans when they came in 70 A.D. and they destroyed the temple in 70 A.D.? Have you, anybody seen the Arch of Titus? I know I'm keeping you, but just bear with me. I'm having a really good time. Are you having a good time? Bear with me here because this is really exciting. I hope, hope it's exciting for you. But in 70 A.D., the Roman legions come. They destroy Jerusalem. And if you notice the Arch of Titus, search for it on the Internet and you'll see. What do you see the Romans carrying in? to Rome with Titus Vespasian and all of his army coming in on the shoulders of some of the Romans' soldiers. What do you see there? I, I, I almost I didn't have time to put it up there. It's the menorah, the lampstand in Solomon's temple. You see it coming into Rome. I believe that menorah, what does that have to do with the Ark and the Covenant? Absolutely nothing. This is just really cool to talk about. Actually, it does have something to do with it, because it's a, it's a temple, it's an article in the temple. The lampstand and the Ark of the Covenant are probably two of the most valued pieces of furniture in that Ark, or in that temple. But we see, in the Arch of Titus, we see them bringing in the, the lampstand. We can see it. It's probably in the Vatican, in the basement somewhere. I'm not kidding, either. I, I, I firmly believe that there's probably, the menorah itself is probably covered with something in a box squirreled away somewhere in the basement of the Vatican that nobody will see, only a few people even know about. Or did God just take it up? Or, or when, when we talk about the Ark of the Covenant now, it's a separate article, okay? Maybe the Ark of the Covenant, maybe the Lord took it. Maybe it's up in the glory with him. We really don't know. But me, like Indiana Jones, it doesn't keep me from digging in my backyard with my whip on the side, my hat, Anyway, but this Ark of the Covenant in heaven, and everything on the earth was a pattern of what was in heaven. And so, um, who knows what that Ark of the Covenant is? It's, we can only conjecture. But this is a significant, the significant significance of this seventh trumpet as it unleashes the final wrath of God upon the earth. And aren't you glad that you've been spared? Right now, if you're a believer, you have been spared from that. If the rapture was to occur today, I would not want to go through what we're reading about, what we've been reading about since chapter 6. We're going to be in glory with Jesus. That's where I want to be. Is that where you want to be? Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how it challenges us, Lord. And we thank you, God, that... Lord, just as you said, for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. We have every bit of confidence, Lord, that 
your sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for our sin, for our redemption. Lord, nothing else is sufficient enough. It's, it doesn't get any more sufficient than that. Lord, we don't need to go through even a partial tribulation period to be cleansed. You have cleansed us once and for all by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.